Welcome to this week's edition of Good Books Radio. Audiobooks.com is the chief underwriter for Good Books Radio, which is produced by UTRGV Media Services for Rio Grande Valley Public Radio. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Cook. Welcome once again to another edition of Good Books Radio. I'm your host, Dr. John Cook, and with me today are London, Angel Winters, and Justin Patrick Pierce. They are business partners, best friends, and passionate lovers. Known internationally for their transformative work in personal growth and sacred intimacy, they have dedicated their lives to love. They help others deepen in their relationships, overcome the challenges of long-term commitment, and learn how to grow spiritually and sexually with an intimate partner. They teach workshops and offer private coaching to individuals and couples all over the world. And this is a great read. The book is The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love. Welcome to the program, London and Justin. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is sincerely a great read, and it's very timely for me as I'm working on a, a, a long-term relationship now, and uh, I'm really happy about that. Um, and one of the things I want to point out, this is the Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love. But in the opening pages, you have a, a, a quote that says, May this book serve the women and men of the world and help them better understand and love one another. So this is not just for women. Well, that's correct. I mean, London and I wrote this book together. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> she's the leading voice. Everything that's been in the book, both of us have you know, very closely looked at. We've argued over a lot of it. To make sure that everything that was in there was exactly representing both halves of the coin. We didn't want it to weigh one perspective on the other. And you'll find that I have my own chapters throughout the book to really provide that masculine perspective on everything that mom's talking about. But what's unique about the book is it really brings to light the feminine perspective in relation to some of these timeless, sacred intimacy practices. Let me start with a quote in the foreword of yours. Uh, there are two types of men, the kind who feel emasculated about powerful women and the kind who are inspired by them. Say more about that. Uh, I could say a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, living here in uh, Los Angeles, we're just one of those cities where, you know, and there's a number of cities around the country right now where we are seeing women really starting to step up and dominate the workspace. And it's true that across the entire nation right now, we have the greater majority of women going to college, graduating from college, uh, going to, to get their doctorate's uh, degree, going to, get, uh, going to become lawyers. So there's more women dominating that field. So we're watching women climb this uh, role of power in these roles that were traditionally thought of as masculine. Now, in the face of this, how do men respond? Do they say, well, it's not right? Do they feel competitive with the woman when they're at home? Do they feel challenged by her strength or her success? And learning to navigate that is part of what this book presents. Mm-hmm. And, London, this is a book about cultivating sacred intimacy. Why sacred? Uh, I say sacred because what we're really talking about is a relationship where you feel met. Both of you do. A relationship where both of you are able to grow um, in your own path and not be hampered by the other, but championed by them. There's an element that comes from the sacred where you're really standing for the other person's greatness as opposed to a tit-for-tat kind of relationship. Well, if you give me this, I'll give you that. Or I'm just in it for the money. Or I'm just in it for the trophy. Or all of these things we've seen relationship degrade into. What Justin and I are standing is a place where everything is blooming inside your being based on your relationship. Mm-hmm. 
and, and let's talk about your story in particular, because um, before, Justin, you were unlucky in love, so you say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm that typical modern woman. I was out there really kicking butt in the world. I'm an Emmy Award-winning producer. I was a champion fitness competitor. I was kind of like one of those people, if I wanted to manifest something, I just set my mind to it, and boom. And yet... It was funny because I could, you know, uh, win an Emmy in my early 20s, but I couldn't manifest anything around love. And it was such an interesting conundrum to feel so powerful in one respect and so powerless in another. And what I ended up discovering was all the tools I was bringing to really achieve a lot of success were the exact things that were repelling love from my life. You know, that that mentality of go and achieve something, you apply that to love as a feminine being, and what you end up doing is pushing men out of the picture. Uh-huh. And, and I want to delve into the polarity of alpha and omega, but, but just talking a little bit more about um, the alpha female, um, uh, there's so much jockeying for power and playing it safe and putting up with untrustworthy men, overgiving. Uh, how, how does that, all that dysfunctional stuff play? You know, what, how, if you had to boil it all down to kind of a single group, the modern woman today is, is entirely self-sufficient. You know, she's not dependent on men for money. She is very empowered, very able to go out there and get exactly what she wants. And so it really has, change the dynamic of relationship where that whole idea of submission is kind of laughable at this point. You know, sort of a lot of what propped up the 1950s structures has basically fallen under its own weight. And yet what's so interesting is no matter how much a woman goes out and achieves, she still has a love-driven thing, love-driven aspect at the center of her heart that is dying to be cherished and adored and uh, made love to in a way where she loses her mind entirely, you know, and she can give up all of that efforting and just relax for a moment. And what happens is these modern women kind of get into a muscle spasm of that alpha-go mode, and then when they bring it home and they sort of run their husband like they would run a boardroom, they lose the love and the cherishment that they wish they were getting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that that self-focused agenda, that manipulation, is is harmful to the sacred relationship. Absolutely, you cannot have sacred relationship if you're in it for what what's in it for me. We talk about we literally have an entire section of the book on this because. Ultimately, if everybody is looking at what am I getting out of this, they're creating the power struggle. It's like you always resonate your partner into the reciprocal of what you're offering. If you're offering manipulation, you're suddenly inviting your partner to manipulate you right back. And this can be very subtle. You know, it could be um, in every fight, every, each person is trying to win. And so you never actually come back into connection. 
you know, you're, you're standing for, I'm right. No, I'm right, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be decision-making. I mean, long-term relationship requires a lot of decision-making. I'm in charge. No, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. No, I'm in charge, right? Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's my wisdom. No, it's mine. And you start, long-term relationship can really degrade into this, like, battle between wills. I'm sure we all can relate to that, right? A battle between wills and then a lot of punishment that comes from trying to coerce your partner into your way. We're really suggesting a model where you set all of that down and come from a completely different approach. Mm -hmm. I want to get into the three pillars, but something that struck me throughout the book is the importance of not getting into your head about improving relationships. Say, Say a little bit about that. Well, one of the phrases that we learn is, um, you know, when the sexual energy or when the energy is up in your head, it's definitely not down in the genitals, mm-hmm. not down in the lower body. And we know that the intimate occasion is we're meeting body to body. So our whole lives are designed to keep us very much in our heads. We're constantly looking at screens. We're constantly processing the emails and ideas all in the mind. And we're not even taking a breath past our throat. So a lot of this practice is about how do we get back into the body. So in the book, we talk about the yoga of intimacy, and there are specific and traditional ancient practices that help us get back into the body through breath, through certain postures. But this is nothing like a yoga class where you're going to go do tree pose. It's a totally different kind of yoga, and it's much more subtle. This is the kind of yoga you could do in the kitchen. This is the kind of yoga you could do in the car, kind of yoga you can also bring to the bedroom. I was glad to to learn that because I was afraid we were going to get into a downward facing dog, and that's not really what is going on here. Right? This is not, not the Karma Sutra. Okay. <laughs> a little different. Well, let's talk about the three pillars of sacred intimacy. Let's start with presence because that's a big deal to me. I I teach that in a leadership class: the importance of presence, uh, uh, because we're so often in our heads in the past or in the future, and not in the moment of now. Absolutely. I mean, there's a there's an epidemic right now, and uh, presence is hard to find. I mean, I I can't really walk into a public place and see much evidence of presence at all, even if it's the person behind the counter. There's just we're all on our cell phones. We all have our earbuds. In. We are isolating ourselves from human connection, and then we're looking for it inside of our cell phones and wondering why we don't feel loved or seen or cherished. We're, we're looking at phones through Facebook, through dating applications, and isolating ourselves in these digital environments, like these little digital cocoons. So habitually, our nervous systems, we're not even getting practice for real intimate human connection. And it makes it harder and harder to be present. So once you finally get two people sitting in front of one another, and you say, okay, what, what do you want more from your partner? Nine times out of ten. The first answer to that question is presence. I just want someone to make eye contact with me and be with me. So learning how to make that eye contact, learning how you need to show up in your body such that your partner would feel you as present is the first step in the yoga. The other thing about presence as it relates to long-term relationship is kind of what you were indicating with the right now moment. So one way of thinking about presence is being right here, right now, and nowhere else. And what that means in long-term relationship is he might have, you know, done something that slightly jabbed me at the grocery store three hours earlier, 
And if I'm finally getting my Super Bowl moment where we're connecting and all I can think about is what happened three hours, three days, or three years ago, I'm not present as the feminine partner. I'm holding things against him. I'm not showing up to the moment fully. And that has a huge cascade of damage across long-term relationship because ultimately when you look at being together for 10, 20 years, you're going to hurt each other. Things are going to add up. And if you don't know how to literally handle that in the moment and leave it behind, every moment you spend with your partner will be littered by all of the things that you are holding against them from the past. Very good. So if that's the case to do intimacy by loving our partner, by offering them our undivided attention. You mentioned eye contact earlier, Justin, and I, I really want to touch on that again because it's so difficult to maintain eye contact sometimes. Absolutely. It's, it's something we don't commonly practice. Um, and maybe it's old-fashioned and something, you know, men of the old age would you know, take pride in, you know, good, strong eye contact, a strong handshake. But there's something about our current culture where I'm at, you know, I'm in storage getting checked out by people and the cashiers aren't even looking at me. Some of them don't even say anything to me. It's just like, as I described before, we're getting so accustomed to being in our own world, in our own digital landscape, that we're not even relating to the people in front of us. So we're not getting practice. We're not getting practice of what it is to do this type of intimate relating. But through our men's workshops, through our women's workshops, through our co-ed workshops, this is one of those skills where we start. Everything that we do intimately has to begin with landing in presence through eye contact, through breath, through postures. And there's there's a significant vulnerability here. You talk about the decision to open up, but the practice of relating, being being soft enough to feel the hurts is, is part of that, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, why we don't make eye contact is because it's so threatening to show our vulnerability. And you look at someone in the eyes long enough and all of your stuff's going to come up. You know, you're going to feel your vulnerability of possibly being rejected, possibly being judged. You're going to feel the mind beginning to want to escape and go, did I just get an email? Did I just get a text? You're going to feel how difficult it is to let someone in. And then what's so sad is we spend all of this time defending ourselves against letting someone in, and on the flip side, we feel unmet. We forget that we're actively re- like repelling love, pushing it away, not letting it happen. We forget that we did that, and then we turn around and we say, oh, love isn't available for me, or my partner is um, you know, not enough, or I'm not enough and I'll never be loved. Well, in reality, if we learn how to meet each moment a little deeper and let it touch us, we begin to feel fulfilled. We begin to feel met. Mm-hmm. And and part of the reason that, that people are not able to do this easily is because they've been traumatized by old hurts, and they fear uh, that happening again, and so they can't be soft and vulnerable. Precisely. And they carry that around like a, like scar tissue, that literally numbs them to the moment. There's so many women that can't feel anything anymore. They literally feel numb. They wonder what's wrong with them. They secretly suffer. Or they turn to Chardonnay at the end of the night for 
to get filled up. And it doesn't have to be like that, but what we do need to do is really recognize the impact of these hurts that have happened and let them through and out of the body so that we can be fresh in the moment again. And Justin, I want to say how, how powerful your, your chapters are. And one of the things I read twice and underlined a lot was the, uh, the, the, why I love her full expression, even when it's unpleasant. Um, you, you mentioned that a woman's unguarded heart is vast, complex, and at times terrifying. Talk about that a little bit and how you've managed through that. to the other two pillars but before we leave presence there are three steps there's let go of the past release the future and meet the moment talk for a moment about the super bowl moment uh-huh. well the super bowl moment is what every woman waits for which is that moment when her man puts all of his work away uh puts all of his attention on her and it's just suddenly there present available you know maybe he was like planned a special trip for her and whisks her away and they're sitting at the table. And this is that moment when you're finally getting the love you've been saying you wanted your whole life. And unfortunately, a lot of women find it really difficult to then show up to that moment. So we talk about this a lot in the book. What does it take to receive a man's full presence? And when you learn how to do that, you literally invite him to give it to you more and more and more. And ultimately, the couples that we coach 
we train them to be doing these practices every day with each other, even if it's just for 10 minutes. And what happens for a woman is she feels seen, she can relax, she feels him look so deeply into her that he knows her heart better than she does. And when a woman learns how to receive that kind of masculine attention, her whole life changes because she finally gets the thing that she wanted from the moment she was born, from first her parents, then, you know, her early boyfriends. Like, life is constantly letting her down. And when she learns the practice, the yoga of allowing this in, she gets more of it, and everything starts to shift. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because, I, again, I want to get to the other two pillars, but let's talk about the yoga of intimacy, the three asanas, allow breath, soften the body, and find flow. They're so important. Allow breath. Breath is feeling. If you're not willing to breathe uh, past your upper chest, you won't really be able to feel your body. You won't be able to have that full body pleasure that you sort of intuit is possible. So breath is the foundation because it will literally resensitize your body to feeling, all the good stuff. Um, the flow is so important because ultimately if you don't trust life to move through you, if you don't trust your man to influence you, you will be holding everything out. You will literally squeeze everything that's coming your way out of the picture. So what we really train people how to do is wake their bodies back up and be responsive in the moment. And therefore, their whole relationship can dance in the vibrancy of joy again. Mm -hmm. let's, let's move to the pillar of polarity. Uh, just up front, I think we live in an androgynous society where masculine and feminine walls tend to break down. But you talk about the alpha and omega of of polarity and the importance of that in relationships. That's right. I mean, in today's culture, we understand it, it's for people who look into the masculine and feminine conversation. At this point, we all understand we both have masculine and feminine aspects to sell. Mm -hmm. And every passing year, um, like you said, those walls break down a little bit more. And women are now able to play those alpha notes better than a lot of men. Men are able to, men have been getting in touch with their hearts, with their compassionate selves, uh, more stay-at-home dads than um, ever before. This type of growth is also bringing them more into their own mega spectrum. So whether you're a man or a woman, you can play the notes of intimacy alpha to omega. So alpha woman in the boardroom, you know, earning tons of money, telling people what to do, doing a great job earning, earning Emmys like I'm going to do Omega man could be seen as the one who's getting in touch with a more heart-centered place. Um, could be stay-at-home dad, raising children, working with children. Um, all of those can be expressions of love. So we're seeing that now play out in our culture. And as those rules break down, we need new map on how to relate to one another intimately. So if we're not playing by any rules, no one knows how to relate. Mm -hmm. So what this book presents to us is a new map. There's only three ways of relating. We're both in alpha, we're both in omega, or we're in alpha and omega. And if you relate this to the idea of two people dancing, which is exactly what intimacy is, imagine tango. 
If you have two leads, two alphas trying to dance, it's not going to go that well. One person is trying to discern and say, no, we're going this way. And then they go, no, we're going this way. And it's not going to be much of a dance. Mm-hmm. If you have two omegas, two follows, no one has the lead. And suddenly we're both just kind of spiraling aimlessly. If you have a lead and a follow, now someone's saying, step this way, move in this way, and someone's going with that flow. Now you have the technology to create those intimate sparks, the sparks of polarity, the sparks of sexual attraction. And the polar polarity teaches you how to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that's uh, that's uh, there's a term you engage called energetic agility, and that is the ability to flex between the roles. Yes, absolutely. So the modern woman goes out into the world, dominates job, plays her alpha, has no shame, no withhold about being you know the strongest leader in the room. Comes home, and then has the agility to notice. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I would actually like someone else to be in charge. I would like to be ravished by my partner. I would like to feel swept off my feet. Well, if you're still an alpha, that's not going to happen because you're going to be going head-to-head with the other alpha in the space or you're going to push your man into his omega and say, well, you're self-sufficient. You can take the lead. I don't need to. I got nothing to prove. And then you have a man who's not leading you the way he wants. So the energetic agility is having that awareness first and then knowing what to do to unwind your body and your mind such that you can become receptive enough to receive your partner's lead, to receive your partner's consciousness. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's say a word about solo practice because that's really important to a polarity, isn't it? Absolutely. Solo practice is um, what we describe as just your own self and your own practice preparing your body for what it takes to be in intimacy in a powerful way. And a great example of this is if you haven't felt pleasure in the last three years, there's very little chance that in the intimidation your man's going to be able to help you find pleasure. You know, it's kind of like a man looking at a stalled car and he's got to push a stalled car up a hill. You know, it's just not going to happen. So one of the practices I give women is spending time reconnecting to their own juicy selves, their own pleasure, their own um, getting rid of, you know, the residues of the past and old hurts and all of the uh, debris that comes with being in your alpha at work, such that when your man, you know, walks up to you, puts his hand around your lower back and looks into your eyes, you can actually be in that Super Bowl moment and receive him. We only have about three or four minutes left, but I want to talk about the pillar of devotion because it really meant a lot to me. I was reading the the last part of it this morning, and the idea of living in devotion to sacred intimacy is is a living prayer, according to you guys. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, people can learn to cultivate presence. You said yourself that you teach workshops more than that. People can also learn to create polarity with a partner and what they would need to do intimately to turn on their partner. All of that's available to us as teachings. One of the things that is very difficult to teach is this pillar of devotion because it comes from a kind of human maturity that has to go beyond self. You have to ask yourself, 
moment to moment. How do I need to show up right now that it would serve my partner such that they would feel loved, despite what I want to do, even if I want to close? How do I, how could I open them right now? We talk about openness versus closure. What would they need from me? So in a moment where we're in a fight and I want to close, I don't want to be present, or I'm angry and I'd rather be in another way, devotion is the piece that allows me to see beyond myself and step into selfless service. Mm-hmm. And to do that year after year is the process. Yes. And, and the, an important point is you cannot control another person. You have to let go of your agenda. So, so it's not codependency. It's not being a martyr. It's not people-pleasing. It's not giving to get. It's being totally into the moment with the other person. Absolutely. It's meeting the moment with your full self because you're in devotion to love. And by the way that you operate, you inspire your partner to meet you there. And if they don't, this is your practice. You're meeting life fully. You're opening your heart fully. You're loving fully. And when you have two people aiming to do that, unrelated to manipulating an outcome, the possibilities of partnership transform. Suddenly you have a relationship that is going to cause more growth for you than any coach, guru, or teacher ever could. Mm -hmm. And and what's beautiful about this section on devotion is is how intense it can get. you you can't practice this one alone. You have this amazing connection, and that uh, that can be difficult. I mean, I like the uh, shards of glass part that that Justin wrote uh, because it, it can be wounding to be this devoted. It it absolutely you know through the eyes of devotion, love is fierce to angelic. We're not writing this book from the perspective that your relationship's supposed to be happy go lucky. Everything's blissful and everyone's getting along great. That is not what this book is about at all. This Mm -hmm. is about embracing all the faces of love from the darkest moments to the brightest. And how do we need to show up to every one of those moments such that our relationship is deepening in love rather than numbing, distancing, getting further away? Every argument is another opportunity to deepen your relationship in love. It is, and it's how you show up to that moment, what you do next that defines deepening connections or distance. And this book teaches you, and that's, that's what you're describing in those shards of glass chapters in that moment. It's talking about some of those experiences that London and I have had together. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We've been talking with the co-authors of The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love, London Angel Winters and Justin Patrick Pierce. It is a heartfelt, passionate book, and it's a great read. I'm your host, Dr. John Cook. I remind you, if you don't hear our regularly scheduled broadcast, you can also catch us on YouTube at Good Books Radio, Strong and Cook. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day.